welcome to the truth of this my name is brendan d murphy this is where we unleash truth and freedom with no holds barred no fear and no limits come and evolve beyond the matrix with me and thrive not just survive this is a realm of empowering uncommon awareness this is my truth of us it wouldn't be possible for me to share this work with you without the freedom era having helped me reverse my previously woeful money situation tfe is a community that shows you how to make a living online through high commission sales with automation to find out how we do it check out the free training at brendandmurphy.com freedom In the ancient Gnostic cosmology, there is no imagined Big Bang, and the same can be said for its Hindu, Tantric, and Buddhist counterparts. As Gnostic researcher John Lash points out in his inspired work, Not In His Image. The dynamic cosmological principles of the Gnostic outlook are emanation instead of creation, and mirroring instead of cause and effect. In mirroring, all elements of reality simultaneously reflect all other elements as per the holographic model of reality which I developed in The Grand Illusion Book 1. Our universe emerges from an obscure power source or foundational awareness. In Tibetan Dzogchen, it is Rigpa. In Tantra, it is Parasamvit. And for the originals of Australia, it is Dreamtime. In the Gnostic materials, it is Pronoia. Our cosmos does not come into being as the Big Bang theology would have us believe. As Lash points out, the sacred narrative of the mysteries is emergence myth, not creation myth. The Aboriginal dreaming concept can also be applied to the creative emanations of the Gnostic eons, including Sophia, whose dreaming we humans are intimately involved in. Eon means God, generating power or emanation. Each eon, like Sophia, is a vast current of energy and information. It is crucial to note that such energies can be, and were, perceived clairaudiently by adepts centuries ago as a chord or vein of sound. The Gnostic seers were able to tune in directly. This is where their creation myth originates from. There was a time, according to the Gnostics, where the intelligent informational current dubbed Sophia plunged into the planet and unwittingly and indirectly created the Demiurge, the would-be ruler of our solar system. How does that relate to Stranger Things, you ask? Well, more on that in a moment. The Gnostic Telestai were so-called pagan seers, initiated into the mysteries, and, as Lash tells us in his opus, they were also known as the Sons of Seth. In Gnostic creation myth, Sophia is the mythological name given to the intelligent energy emanating from the galactic core, which plunged into the earth in an act of dreaming. She is one of several eons, or so-called gods, of the galactic Pleroma. Don't let the anthropomorphisms fool you. This is creation physics in disguise. In the Gnostic telling, Sophia was fascinated with the potential of the Anthropos, or the luminous cosmic child, which is the template for humanity. And this drew her out of the galactic core in an unprecedented act of emanation. That is, emanation without a male consort. If Gaia is the planet, Sophia, a creative torrent of sound, light, and information, is the Eon, or God, who dreamed herself into the spiral arms of the Milky Way, and in particular, planet Earth, becoming trapped, as it were. She is not the physical planet, to be clear, but the intelligent energy residing within. For brevity's sake, we must only gloss over the whole creation myth and focus on our theme here, so I'm giving a severely abridged version by necessity, based on my writing in Book 2 of The Grand Illusion. 
According to the Gnostics, who were misunderstood and reviled by the Catholic Church, which sought to exterminate all pre-Christian nature-based cosmologies, Sophia's plunge into our local solar system created an unexpected glitch in the Matrix, which was the arising of inorganic AI, artificial intelligence-type beings called Archons. As Lash observes, Archon comes from the Greek Archaea, meaning prior, first, and in the beginning. Chief among the Archons was, and is, the Demiurge, Yaldabaoth, who mistakenly believes he is the creator of all he surveys. He thinks he created the solar system he finds himself in. This deluded god, equated with the Christian Yahweh by some, constructs his celestial home from what the Gnostics referred to as residual or inert atomic matter, this being the planetary system we inhabit, though not including the sun, moon and earth, which constitute the trinary organic system in Gnostic thought, which would seem to be an odd dualism to the modern scientific mind. Regardless, the Archons can be considered the primal cosmic elementals, as Kabbalistic law calls them, a type of thought form entity predating humanity in the Gnostic model. Their attitude towards us is less than congenial. The Elder Biot views humanity as something to conquer and dominate, along with Sophia and the planetary biosphere. To the Archontic mind virus, humans are barely more than food. A talented seer friend informs me that the closest visual representation he has yet seen of what Yelda Biot would look like to us is in fact the malevolent shadow being in the Netflix show Stranger Things. Interestingly, in this show, the being, known both as the Mind Flayer and the Shadow Monster, exists in its own parallel dimension, which the children dub the Upside Down, which is a Dungeons and Dragons reference. And it is constantly trying to break through to our realm, first by invading people's minds, taking them over, possessing them, and then controlling their thoughts, perceptions, words, and actions, exactly as we would expect an Archon to do. The Shadow Monster feeds, like the Archons, on rage, pain, and suffering. In other words, human emotions, or the so-called negative human emotions. In one episode of Season 3, it builds a grotesque spider-like body for itself out of thousands of dissolved and reformed rats, which my friend sagely observes are a species that has suffered greatly at the hands of humans through scientific experimentation, for example. Thus, it is literally built out of collective animalistic pain and suffering, an allusion perhaps to the mammalian limbic system in the human brain where human pain and trauma registers. The grotesque spider being represents in a way humanity's raw animalistic pain, embodied and materialized. Ultimately, in Season 3's exciting climax, the Mind Flayer succeeds in building an even bigger body out of its infected human hosts, not rats this time, by drawing them to its lair in the dark basement of an impersonal abandoned warehouse, representing the fear, alienation and general darkness of our postmodern industrial age. It dissolves these unfortunate people from the inside out, congealing from their cellular goop a humongous repulsive body somewhat reminiscent of a giant spider, a creature that has long inspired a primal fear in humans. Thus, the pseudo Yaldabaoth draws its legions of psionically infected, that is possessed, unconscious zombies into the dark and empty modern world's post-industrial bowels of fear and isolation, where, full of hatred for mankind, the Anthropos, it proceeds to build a body out of the aggregate unconsciousness and self-loathing of its mindless drones. The Mind Flayer's singular obsessive purpose is to seek out and physically destroy the one being who stands in the way of its agenda to consume and control, L, which is a contraction and adaptation of Eleven, which was the only name she had prior to escaping captivity. The homophone L is also the French pronoun meaning she. L, or Eleven, embodies the Gnostic Anthropos, the Luminous Child. 
She is the antithesis to Yaldabaoth and his dreams of dark subjugation and soul harvesting. Historically, mobs in the hypnotic grip of the unconscious have a curious need to destroy the other, when the other is seen as threatening their control or way of life, merely just by being different. And nothing much has changed, really. Elle is a young girl with enormous psi capabilities, including remote viewing and psychokinesis. She is a living example of humanity's inbuilt potential, though perhaps slightly exaggerated in some regards. She has suffered ongoing trauma at the hands of scientists experimenting on her at Hawkins National Laboratory, where she was held captive and raised, a metaphorical lab rat deprived of a normal childhood. In a way, you could say the unconscious is locked in a perpetual tussle with the conscious mind, seeking any opportunity to overwhelm, beguile, hypnotize, and dominate. Thus, Yaldabaoth and the Archons seek to replicate endlessly in conquest of the goddess Sophia and the humans she shares the globe with. The psyche tends to seek to reproduce the qualities it has at any given moment, just as thought-form entities must feed on the dissonant human emotions that offer resonance and energetic reinforcement, just as Archons do. In L, the Archontic Demiurge, or Mind Flayer, meets its match in the form of the innocent and divine child, one named after the master number 11. The number 11 signifies highly developed intuition and psychic abilities, insight, access to the subconscious mind, sensitivity and shyness, among other things. 11 is a seer with immunity to the Archontic Mind Virus. She sees the Dark Illusionist for what it is. The Mind Flayer, or Yaldabaoth, knows it can't overtake or possess her mind. It can only hope to destroy her. And if it fails, it risks extermination at her reluctant but powerfully magical hands. Eleven is also the mage, specifically the shaman, in Jungian terms. Unblinded and unique, envisioned. El is the fly in the Shadow Monster's ointment of domination. An incandescent spark of consciousness standing against the vast and dark tyranny of the shadow and the trauma in the collective unconscious. She sees past superficial appearances and through the dark manipulations of the Mind Flayer. She, L, is consciousness, insight and light itself, and thus immune. The embodiment of vision, L seership and insight, her internal sight, is crucial to healing the inner wounded child and ancestral trauma. There's a beautiful moment in the show's adrenaline pumping pivotal scene in season 3, where Elle psychically ventures into the tormented mind of the flayed proxy Billy, the neighborhood rebel and bully. Billy is the older adoptive brother of Elle's friend, Max. Billy, not coincidentally, has been the victim of domestic abuse under a tyrannical father figure and is naturally traumatized and full of rage, and hence an ideal target for the Mind Flayer from the start. Operating as a possessed drone of the Mind Flayers, infected by the Archontic Psychotronic Virus, Billy has a weakened L pinned to the floor as the grotesque behemoth looms, looking to finish her off before it moves on to destroy the other children and ultimately human civilization. Scanning Billy's mind in desperation, L retrieves a precious long-forgotten childhood memory, a moment of pure youthful innocence shared with his now-deceased mother at the beach. You ran to her on the beach, there were seagulls, she wore a hat with a blue ribbon, a long dress with a blue and red flower, yellow sandals covered in sand. She was pretty, and you were happy. The recounting of this memory snaps Billy out of his hypnotic trance and breaks Yaldabaoth's psionic grip on him. The remembrance and integration of this submerged and fragmented part of himself reminds Billy of his humanity, and he breaks out of his zombie-like rage trance. Reconnected to the innocence of his inner child and his humanity, and thus risen again and resurrected, he rises to his feet and faces the shadow monster head on. The demonic flayer no longer has him in thrall. He is no more a mere vector for the malevolent mind virus. He is humanity resurrected. 
Billy's final act is that of noble self-immolation. He faces the Mind Flayer defiantly and surrenders to the Shadow, using himself as a human shield, allowing the monster to destroy him, buying his saviour Elle and her friend's precious seconds. It's seemingly only delaying the inevitable, but ultimately not in vain, since the group is saved when the Mind Flayer's dimensional portal is closed and its connection to the Upside Down, the other dimensional Archontic Flatland, is severed, killing it instantly just as it bears down on Elle and company who have no escape and no more tricks up their sleeves. Billy's absolution and redemption is in sacrificing his own life to protect the luminous child, and human vision, insight, innocence, consciousness and free will from all-consuming fear, darkness and tyranny. The otherwise inevitable destruction of the unrestrained and disowned shadow of the unconscious, if left unchecked. Billy's absolution and redemption is in sacrificing his own life to protect the luminous child and human vision, insight, innocence, consciousness and free will from all-consuming hatred, rage, fear, darkness and tyranny. The otherwise inevitable destruction of the unrestrained and disowned shadow of the unconscious, if left unchecked. The reintegration of Billy's own innocence and lost humanity is his salvation from a fate worse than death, and that would be dying unconsciously under the hypnotic spell of the tyrannical and beguiling shadow. The scene is reminiscent of Neo's final act of self-sacrifice in The Matrix as he allows the machines to plug into him and re-upload his consciousness back into The Matrix in exchange for a truce between humans and AI. Archons are regarded as a form of artificial intelligence, as it happens. The number 11 is a doubling of 1, with 1 representing new beginnings and purity. L, 11, has no hidden agendas, no desire to harm anyone, and just wants to be done with the unfolding chaos to live a life. The shadow monster is rage, fear, pain and malice itself, and like the mind virus plaguing humanity, it seeks only to replicate and dominate. Some might call it Wetico. L is a singularity, pure and untarnished, while the mind flare is the polar opposite, an aggregation of somnambulant humanity's hate and rage. After infecting a host, the mind flare, or Yaldabaoth, has them in a sort of mindless waking trance, a good description of swaths of humanity at the moment unfortunately who unwittingly infest themselves further with the archontic virus every day, particularly via the mass media, which endlessly spews out the mass mind control program set by the deep state and the ultra-rich. Left in unconsciousness or repression, the shadow monster spreads its archontic virus unchecked. Seership or vision, the process of self-reflection, introspection and alchemical integration of our shadow, is the antidote to its reign of terror. We need to see with the mind or the eyes of Eleven, with insight, innocence and clear vision, to create a new beginning both personally and collectively by facing the darkness and the dark night. This way we gain the chance to become the hero and be born anew, empowered as never before, like the phoenix rising from the ashes. I find it interesting that the Mind Flayer creates forms for itself that mimic life and ape it, but it cannot, like the archontic demiurge it represents, truly create or emanate the way that the galactic eons can being that they are deeply connected to the source of all and are direct emanations from the galactic center. Like Yaldabaoth, the shadow monster of Stranger Things creates pseudo-life forms out of dead matter. It literally dissolved and reconstituted bodies of the dead, be they human or rat. Simulacra, lacking nous and true creativity. The Gnostic Demiurge is lord and master of the so-called Kenoma, the inorganic dead celestial matter of outer chaos, or so it thinks. Its first and most primary form of manipulation is not of matter, but of minds, which it seeks to invade and control, or flay, as they say in Stranger Things. From that point, a surrogate manipulation of matter can occur via infected hosts, exactly as depicted in Stranger Things. Lacking true creative agency, the Mind Flayer is a parasite of the highest order, and a psychic rapist of sorts. It can hijack, infect, and co-opt, 
but unlike its human targets and proxies, is bereft of true creativity. It is not truly alive as we think of it, rather it is much nearer an actual embodiment of death and entropy. The first and habitual targets of the Mind Flayer are the children as they, in their innocence and purity, with vision, courage and integrity intact, pose its greatest threat to dominating humanity through the collective reservoir of unresolved trauma and pain. Hence young Will the Wizard, his D&D character, who is an incipient medium or shaman with one foot in the human world and one foot in the upside down or archontic reality, being an initial target of the Mind Flayer. Will, in his innocence, channels the monster, so to speak, albeit reluctantly. He and his friends, who come to include Eleven as the group's resident oracle, medium and protectress, must synergistically collaborate and thwart the Mind Flayer's attempts to destroy them and take over the entire human biosphere with its tyrannical control and enforcement of a zombie-like unconsciousness characterised by hate, malice and utter conformity. Collectively, Elle and her friends embody the archetypes and traits of innocence, magic, vision, seership, will, insight, courage, and the unmatched power of a group focused on their mission operating in harmony against the seemingly insurmountable power of the shadow and its seductive hypnotic illusions. We will need all of these to move forward together and prevent the globalist psychotic agenda of total technocratic control. It is absolutely possible. We only need to choose. Face the shadow, or let it divide and rule us and reduce us to living zombies, without minds of our own, just like the flayed people in Stranger Things. We would be part of an archontic hive mind, ruled by parasitical overlords who must function as surrogate parents for us because we chose not to grow up. But what if we choose to see with the eyes of Eleven? If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to take a deep dive into my research and writing, grab a copy of my book, The Grand Illusion. This is part one of my highly praised investigation into the nature of consciousness and reality, bridging the worlds of science and the esoteric in a way you've never quite seen before. You'll find reader reviews and purchase info at brendandmurphy.com slash TGI.